I don't know that I want to stop that either. Amen. How good is our God? He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of every moment of every day, everything that is within us, everything we hold near and dear. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Come on, give Him some be seated. <laughs> and um, I'm super excited to share this tonight. <clears throat> As you can see, things might get fun. <laughs> things are going to get fun. Choctoberfest is happening. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. There is 10 kilo block of chocolate up in my office. I shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> it's locked. All right. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in the room. And so, Father, I pray that you would take these words and that your heart would be revealed. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you would close your eyes for just a moment, um, if you would. And I want you just to picture our community. Not the river, the people. Now I want you to just expand that thought and think across the world. I want you to think about every culture, every socioeconomic group, God's people, people that don't even know that they belong to him. Just for a moment, try and see what God sees. Okay, would you open your eyes? What did you see? What did you imagine? But more importantly, what was the age of the people in your image? Because if you only saw adults, you didn't see what God sees at all. In Penrith, 21% of our population is under the age of 12. 30% is under the age of 19. Across the world, one in every three faces that Jesus looks upon is that of a child or a young person. And we're talking about being fearless. And they matter. If we're to see our community and we're to see our world the way that God sees it, we have to see our generations. We have to see them. Like really see them. See them the way Jesus does. We have to see through his lens, not just ours. This is my beautiful granddaughter. <laughs> She's somewhere <laughs> here tonight. That's little Talia. 
Dr. West Stafford, who was the CEO of Compassion, said this. He said, formed in the image of Almighty God, a child already has gifts to bring to the world. What happens in the next moments, hours, days and years will determine whether this God-given potential is realised or lost to us all. What happens is up to us. And every moment, every hour, every day and every year matters. At 9am on Friday the 13th of May, I took a class of kindergarten students for their first scripture lesson. Nine beautiful, neat little people sat before me expectantly. They were still neat, it was 9am. I asked if anyone knew what we were going to learn about in scripture, and no one did. And I said, we're going to learn about God in scripture. And immediately one of the students asked, what's God? Not even, who's God? And none of her peers could tell her. Fearlessness comes with a fight when there's something worth fighting for. Psalm 78 verses 1 to 7 says this, My people, listen to my teaching. Pay attention to what I say. I will open my mouth and tell a story. I will speak about things that were hidden. They happened a long time ago. We have heard about them and we know them. Our people who lived before us have told us about them. We won't hide them from our children. We will tell them to those who live after us. We will tell them what the Lord has done that is worthy of praise. We will talk about his power and the wonderful things he has done. He gave laws to the people of Jacob. He gave Israel their law. He commanded our people who lived before us to teach his laws to their children. Then those born later would know his laws. Even their children yet to come would know them and they in turn would tell their children. Then they in turn would put their trust in God. They would not forget what he had done. They would obey his commands. So how was this her question? This has been in my Bible and your Bible for thousands of years. What happens is up to us. Not just me, not just Beck and Isaac, not just Matt and Asher. It's up to us. It's up to us as parents. It's up to us as leaders. It's up to us as children of God, as followers of Christ. We have a responsibility to ensure the generations following us know who Jesus is. Because if we won't tell our children, who do we think is going to? And men, how will our boys know who a man of God is if it's only women showing them?
Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 11, if you will. We're going to start in verse 1. Athaliah was the mother of Ahaziah. And when she saw her son was dead, she took over. She began by massacring the entire royal family. But Jehoshaphat, daughter of King Joram and sister of Ahaziah, took Ahaziah's son Joash and kidnapped him from among the king's sons slated for slaughter. She hid him and his nurse in a private room away from Athaliah. He didn't get killed. He was there with her, hidden away for six years in the temple of God. Athaliah, oblivious to his existence, ruled the country. This woman set out to kill a generation to fulfil her own agenda. Her own generations. The opportunity presented to her was to raise a generation that would lead their nation. But she instead set out to kill them for her own personal gain. And across the world today, the enemy is again killing a generation to fulfil his own agenda. He's using men, he's using women, governments and whole nations to seek their personal gain at the cost of children and young people's lives. Three million children this year will die of hunger. 5.7 million are on the brink of starvation. 1.2 million children on any day will be trafficked for financial gain. They will be sold as a commodity in a market. Two million children, mostly girls, will be abused in the name of tourism. 215 million will work as child labourers producing our clothes, our coffee and our chocolate. 250,000 will act as child soldiers and 40% of these are girls and they will be forced into child marriage. Last year, there were 21 million reports of online abuse. Penrith has the highest reported rate of domestic abuse in our state, alongside significant problems with addiction. For one in three girls and one in five boys that we know of, home and bed and off safe places. And we are yet to see the full impact of what young people, particularly young men, are watching online and carrying into relationships, but it has already forced change to consent laws in New South Wales. We are seeing children and young people profoundly affected by rising levels of anxiety and mental health issues, loneliness and identity confusion. The enemy has a clear agenda to steal and to kill and to destroy. And here we are going, we want to be a fearless church. And I tell you, we have a fight worth fighting for. Because we need to be those who will rescue our generations from the enemy's agenda. You know, sometimes it can feel overwhelming and we might be going, I don't know how I can make a difference. The reality is that Jehoshaphat couldn't save all the children, but she rescued the one she could. 
And as God looks out across our city and our communities and out across the world, he sees the children that he loves, the young people that he loves, and he sees the ones that we can rescue, both those close to us and those across the nations. He sees those girls in unspeakable situations. He sees the hungry. He sees the kids sorting rubbish in the slums. He sees the orphans. He sees the children holding weapons of warfare. He sees the little girl next door to you who's abused every night by her dad. He sees the kid living with drug-addicted parents. He sees the little girl in my scripture class who sat there and told me, Daddy hates Mummy, but he loves me, as he walked out the door. He sees. And the God I know would pick them up and hold them close and whisper how much he loves them. He would wipe their tears and he would make them safe. He would, if we will. Because we are his arms and we are his words and we are his face. We are the blood and flesh revelation of him in the earth right now if we belong to Jesus. And so if it's in our power to save a generation... We have to be like Jehoshaphat and we have to rise up and we have to take the opportunity presented to us. The story goes on and Jehadiah the priest, he gathers the, the temple guard and he says, he says, then he commanded them, these are your instructions. Those of you who come on duty on the Sabbath and guard the palace and those of you who go off duty on the Sabbath and guard the temple of God are to join forces at the time of the changing of the guard and form a ring around the young king, weapons at the ready. Kill anyone who brought, tries to break through your ranks. Your job is to stay with the king at all times and places coming and going. So let's do a little demonstration shall we? I just need a couple of volunteers. (laughs) In fact, I need six. So I'm going to pick on Emily and Josh because they're here and and Jez because he's here and Annie and um, come on. (laughs) Come on, you guys. Come up here. So Jez, despite being the tallest, you are the youngest. So you're going to represent our generation. So I'm, I'm going to get you to stand here and I'm going to get you guys to make a semicircle, shoulder to shoulder in front of him, holding your weapons at the ready. All right? Annie looks like she's about to take somebody's head off, um, which is awesome, I have to say. <clears throat> right. So this is what Jehodiah the priest, he's like, you guard that king. You guard him. Don't you break ranks. Don't you let anybody through. And that call has been upon us for generations to guard our generations, to protect them, to watch over them and to bring them to the house of God and to ensure that they know who Jesus is. But kids, men... It's not for Cody, so he's going to take a seat. And I had somebody say to me today, my kids don't go to church 
So I'm not allowed to tell my grandkids about Jesus. I just, I don't know, Em, if you've got time. How much access does the enemy have? No matter how much Josh tries to stand and to fight, no matter how much he might pour his life out, he can only do so much. And he can only protect so much. And these are our children and our young people. And they're in our hands. Thanks, guys. The captain obeyed the order of Jehadiah the priest and each took his men those who came on duty on the Sabbath and those who went off duty on the Sabbath and presented them to Jehadiah the priest. And the priest armed the officers with spears and shields originally belonging to King David stored in the temple of God, well armed. The guards took up their assigned positions for protecting the king from one end of the temple to the other, surrounding both the altar and the temple. On duty off duty, called to children or youth ministry or not. An army took up their weapons to protect the coming generation. They surrounded him and fought for him and worked together and they did not abandon him to the enemy. They picked up the weapons of the temple and surely we've got some of them, do we not? Do we not have a sword of the spirit? Do we not have a shield of faith? Do we not have the prayer that goes before the throne room of God and draws down the power of the Holy Spirit to our very midst? Will we not pick up our weapons for this generation? point has it been okay for us to go off duty to the point that we find a generation asking what's God because we have to recognize the value of each one and fight for them my first missions trip was to India we went to Jaipur um, up in the northeast and um, we were working in one of the slums there. And um, those of you who know me will know that I love cricket. And there happened to be Champions League cricket on. So I think it was one of the first tournaments, Mitch. Um, it was the very first time that Mitch Johnson ever bowled for Australia. That's how long ago it was. Um, so we took 20 of the boys from the slum to the cricket. It was amazing. But there had been terrorist... Um, bombings in Mumbai before we th flew into India and so the security was like next level. In fact, they had like their whole, 
apartheid system going and so they had all the tourists on one side of the, the, the grandstand oval and then they had all of the Indian people on the other side and because we were with the kids from the slum they put us in the Indian crowd and, um, and that was fun. And I didn't go to the toilet for the whole eight and a half hours, I can tell you, right? <laughs> so, um, anyway, so these boys, they were just beside themselves being able to actually go to an international cricket match. And they're up on the seat and they're dancing and they're having the time of their lives until these young guys came up behind them and slapped the head and went, get me water. My host had to hold me in my seat <laughs> lest there be an international incident. But the anger inside me that somebody would take a child and treat them like an object and not recognise that this is a child who belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of all Lords, who has been purchased with the precious blood of Christ, who deserves to know who he is. What will we fight for? The priest presented Joash, this little boy, to the army as their king and commanded them to protect them, him, if necessary, with their lives. And they were willing to do so. They believed in who this child was and who he was called to be. They acted upon the value they placed upon the child. We won't fight for what we don't, believe, we don't value and what we don't believe in. It's why children are exploited all over the world. And I don't think anyone sitting here wouldn't value kids or young people. But sometimes we just have to do a heart check. Or I do. Because if I'm moved to anger over bureaucratic bungling but not over child trafficking. If I'll cry at a reality TV show, but not the stats about domestic violence in my community, if I care <laughs> about climate change but never give a thought to the salvation of the generation following me, so let me present to you tonight the sons and daughters of the King of all kings. They come in every colour, every culture and from all nations. They come clean and they come dirty. They come educated and unable to read and write. They are small and often taller than me by the time they're 12. They come tattooed and pierced. They come attached to technology yet unable to hold a conversation. They come weak and with bravado. They come meek and highly opinionated. And they come with all sorts of lies and brokenness within their hearts and lives. But as children of Almighty God, they deserve to know who he is and who they are. And they deserve to be raised as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, 
not discarded, not neglected, not abused, not go hungry, not be exploited, not be ignored and not even be overindulged. They deserve to be raised as children of God, holy, set apart, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the truth of the Word and the power and the purpose of God upon their lives. And we are called to be the army that understands their value and acts upon it, to stand together and to not allow the enemy break our ranks, whether we are on duty or going off, whether we're called, we are called to surround a generation with all the protection, all the fight, all the fearlessness that we can muster using all the resources that we have available. Because we need to raise them up to be all they can be for God. In 2 Kings, picking up in verse 12, it says, And the priest brought the prince into view, crowned him, handed him the scroll of God's covenant and made him king. As they anointed him, everyone applauded and shouted, Long live the king. And he arranged for the officers of the bodyguard and the palace security along with the people themselves to escort the king down from the temple of God through the gate of the guards and into the palace. And there he sat on the royal throne. Everyone celebrated the event and the city was safe and undisturbed. They had killed Athaliah with the royal sword. Joash was seven years old when he became king. They took Joash crowned him, presented him the covenant, proclaimed over him who he was, anointed him and then led him up to take his place in the nation to fulfil the call of God upon his life. They took him, they told him who he really was and who he was called to be. And you know our words have such power and I remember being in the playground at school pickup when Christina was about eight years old and there was a general conversation between mums and this comment was made oh just wait till they're teenagers and the Holy Spirit stopped me and he said don't you ever speak that over your daughters. He said, you speak over them that they will grow in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and men. And we are speaking over this generation. Anxiety, mental health issues, lack of resilience. That's what we've been speaking. I hear it in the media. I hear it amongst parents. I hear it amongst teachers. I hear those words and we need to rise up church and we need to to declare a different, a different opinion, a different truth over this generation. We need to speak to them that they are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. That if he is for them, then who can be against them? that there is nothing in all of creation whether above or below that can separate them from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus we need to have a better declaration over this generation we need to speak to them that they are to be raised as kings of the the sons and daughters of the king of all kings 
they gave Joash the words of God and they anointed him in the presence of God. And you know what? We need to give our children and our young people the word of God. We need to put it in their hands. This weapon of warfare should be theirs. They should know it. They should know its truth. They shouldn't be held by lies. We need to position them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, whether it's here in church or in our homes. We need to make a space where God can minister to them and where he can call them to be all he's planned for them to be. you know what? We have to make sure that we get the gospel to our generation. 1 John chapter 5 verse 12 is a verse that we should imprint in our lives and it says this, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. There's no grey. It's black and white. There's no grey. We must tell our generations who they really are and who they belong to. We must give them the words of God and allow the anointing of God to come upon them. We mustn't wait for them to grow up. 92% of decisions made for Jesus are made before the age of 18. Of the adults who make a decision, by far the majority have had some form of children or youth ministry in their life. Here's the truth. They might not all grow up. We saw that in our news last week. They might not all grow up. For three years I worked in accident and emergency. And probably the most profound moment of my life happened there. And it involved a little girl whose name, I don't know. But her family were refugees from Vietnam and they couldn't speak English. And she had asthma. And by the time they found somebody to help them, she was critically ill. She came to us. And for an hour, we tried to resuscitate that little girl. It is one thing doing CPR on an adult. It's another thing entirely, trying to will a 10-year-old to live. She died never knowing Jesus. 
can have all the theology in the world. But she deserved to know. She deserved to know there was a saviour in heaven who loved her. That there was a heaven that she could go to. And that there was a hope of healing in his name. She just deserved to know. But she never heard his name. And you will walk out of these doors. And if you go anywhere in Penrith tonight, she's not alone. This is not a refugee issue in our nation. This is our generation. And they deserve to know. They deserve a fearless church. them. What happens in the next moments, hours, days and years will determine whether our children will realise their God-given potential or it will once again be lost. They're in our hands. This is our time. This is our time to act. It's our time to stand guard around them. It's our time to bring them the gospel, to tell them who they really are, to give them not only physical life but eternal life, to allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to release them to be all God has dreamed they would be. Athaliah made a choice to serve herself and destroy a generation. Jehoshaphat made a choice to save a child, raise a king, and turn a nation back to God. It's our time to choose. Because what's God is a question our children should never ask.